Hey King's Arms, it's great to be uh, speaking with you today. And um, I was meant to continue our series on Mark, and I was meant to be speaking on Mark chapter 7, but actually I felt more drawn towards Mark uh, chapter 16, right at the end of this gospel uh, story. So let me just pull it up, and we're going to read it for, together for a second. When Jesus rose early in the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he'd driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe. Afterward, Jesus appeared in different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they didn't believe them either. You know, Jesus was not afraid of doubt. He was used to it. In fact, John's gospel shows that Jesus was surrounded with with doubt right the way through the story. And what I've seen over the last year is more people wrestling with doubt. And that doubt's coming in many different forms. For some of them, it's doubt about their career choice. For some of them, it's doubt about the person that they married. For some of them, it's doubt about where they live. For some of them, it's more minor doubts. For some people, it's more major doubts. And many I've seen have been questioning and doubting some things about their faith. And you know, particularly in times like this, doubt can feel really scary, but it's actually a very normal process. It's a very normal process. It's normal, but it's scary. And it can be even more normal or even more scary when perhaps you've been brought up in a Christian home and uh, you perhaps followed Jesus all your life, but suddenly you start to doubt some things. Um, I found a, a number of years ago, I was talking with my daughter um, Kaya and she we just sat down and talked one night. Uh, she was 14 years old at the time. And as we talked, um, she, the end of, I was just, just right before she went to bed and she said, Dad, something I want to talk to you about. I was like, okay, yeah, what is it? And she said, I, I'm just, I'm not sure I believe anymore. And I said, well, what don't you believe? She said, I'm not sure I believe like you and mum believe in God and all that. I'm just not sure I believe. I said, well, why don't you just, why don't you just let's talk about this. What, is there a reason? What's the, what's the reason you don't believe? And she listed off four or five major doubts that she was having, um, questions that she was having about her Christian faith. And I, firstly, I said, honey, that is just amazing that you um, shared with me because I know how courageous it was for her to share, not only with the person who's her dad, but also the person who you know, leads the team, who leads the church that she's part of. Um, but I said, listen, you know, doubt is very, very normal. It's very natural. In fact, I've wrestled with numbers of doubts and I listed off about seven or eight different doubts uh, that I'd wrestled with during my Christian life. And many of you will know I became an atheist for a season because of some of those doubts. So by the end of it, I think we had about 10 or 12 doubts between us. And she was kind of more open because she hadn't even thought about some of the doubts I, I gave her. And I said, listen, if you're up for it, why don't we go on a journey together to look at these doubts? Because I've thought about these things a lot over the years why don't we go on the journey together? And she um, cites to this day, that was one of a, a pivotal moments for her in her Christian journey because we weren't afraid to talk about doubt. Doubts can happen to anyone, but how we handle doubt is absolutely key. How we face doubt and how we also help others who face doubt. Maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your friend, maybe it's even a work colleague who's not yet a follower of Jesus, but who's got doubts. They'd like to follow Jesus, but they've got some doubts they need some help with. How we handle doubt is absolutely critical. And what we see from the passage we just read in Mark's gospel is that many of Jesus' followers struggled with doubt, and Jesus was not afraid of that doubt. But there's one particular disciple that I want to focus on that actually is not found in Mark's gospel, his full story. It's found in John's gospel. So let's just read this together. You'll know who I'm talking about once we start the story. 
John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, sorry, I've got an itchy nose, was not with them when Jesus came. So when the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. This is after Jesus is raised from the dead. The other disciples have seen the resurrected Jesus. But he, Thomas said to them, unless I see the, his hands, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, so the nails where Jesus was crucified, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my, my hand into his side, I'll never believe. Jesus on the cross was pierced by a spear that went into his heart, and that was the thing that ultimately killed him. Uh, and that ultimately, uh, sorry, proved that he was dead. And so Thomas is like, I want to put my hands into the nail marks in his hand and put my hands into the, the fingers into the, the hole in his side, then I'll, then I'll believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and have yet believed. You know, I'm a little bit like Thomas. I need evidence. Thomas needed evidence to the things that he was believing. But let's get practical, shall we? Let's get practical because I made the statement that God's not afraid of our doubt. Jesus is not afraid of our doubts. Let's get practical together. What does the Bible, after it tells us that doubt is normal and evidence is that, what does it teach us about how to handle our doubts? And I think this story is a brilliant blueprint for us as to how to handle, sometimes wrongly, but also rightly, how to handle our doubts. So the first thing is this, examine your doubt. Examine your doubt. I encourage people as they're wrestling with doubts to write it down because doubt can seem really overwhelming. But I would encourage you, take an A4 sheet of paper and just write down what your doubts are. Because you probably, perhaps if you're struggling with doubt, you probably feel like they're overwhelming. But writing them down really helps because it helps you firstly analyze and examine what they are. But secondly, realize, well, then there's not that many of them. You know, there's really seven big questions about the Christian faith that you can, you can wrestle with. And, and pretty much every other question is a variation on those questions. And when you examine your doubts, it helps you understand the source of your doubts. Because some doubts are intellectual doubt. They're doubts like, like um, does God exist? Or how can Jesus be both God and man at the same time? And can the Bible be trusted? Why did God allow this or disallow that in the Bible? Hasn't science disproved God? Does the God of the Bible hate God, gay people? You know, some of these doubts are intellectual in nature. Notice in this story, Thomas has clearly examined his doubt, and his doubt about someone being raised from the dead was, was scientific. People don't get raised from the dead, and I'm just not going to believe it. And as I physically see the evidence in front of me, he needed to see the evidence. But, you know, there's also other doubt that's more emotional. Emotional doubt would be, why did God allow this to happen to me? Why did my nan die? Why can't I hear God's voice? Or why do I, why do I feel his presence like my friends do? So there's intellectual doubt and emotional doubt. And it's helpful to understand which type of doubt we're wrestling with. Because actually the answers to the two are, can be slightly different. I know for me there was a season when I've wrestled with intellectual doubt. The big pictures of, picture questions of is there a God? And, 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 uh, uh, and can this part of the Bible be true? And all those kind of things. But there's also been seasons where I've wrestled with emotional doubt. I remember a time when uh, I had, after becoming an atheist, I'd given my life to Christ again um, and chosen to follow him. But then there was this moment where God's power just began to fall on the church I was part of. And people were experiencing God's presence. They were laughing. They were crying. They were shaking as the power of God came on them. But I felt absolutely nothing. And I began to have doubt. Does God love me? Does God care for me? 
In that season, it was incredibly painful. You might have experienced that yourself as your friends or, or family members got touched by God, but you feel nothing. And, and doubt can come in at that, that time. It's emotional doubt. So write it down. And I'd encourage you, once you write it down, rank it one through five. You know, one being, this is a fairly minor doubt, but five is, this is a major issue for me. It just helps you get a scope of what kind of doubt you're wrestling with. And the second thing I encourage people to do when they're looking at doubt is to bring their doubts to God. You notice in this story, Jesus actually comes to Thomas. But in our case, we need to bring our doubts to Jesus. Father, I've got these doubts. Jesus, I'm struggling with this doubt. I don't understand this. I'm not sure if you even exist. Have you, uh, you know, you've seen that God is very comfortable with our doubts. He knows humans. He knows that we're but dust. He understands that we at times doubt. Notice that Jesus doesn't condemn Thomas. He gives him the evidence that he needs. Notice also in the first thing that Jesus does when he sees Thomas is he says, peace be upon you. Sometimes when we're doubting, we get all churned up on the inside. We're wrestling and churning over in our minds and in our hearts. And what the first thing we need is just the peace of Jesus. The peace of Jesus just to still our anxious thoughts. If doubt is a normal part of human nature, then bringing it to God, bringing our doubts to Jesus is, a, is one of the first things that we need to do. Examine them and then bring your doubts to him. And you might say, well, hang on a minute. One of my doubts is, I'm starting to doubt, does God even exist? That's a, a big doubt that many people in our society have. I would say, you still need to bring that to God. Well, well how can I do that? If I don't believe that God exists, how can I bring it to God? Well, listen, there is no way that you can prove that God exists or that, or that God doesn't exist. It's a matter of faith, just as many other things in, in, our, uh, in our lives are, are a matter of faith. It takes as much faith in my book, having been an atheist, to be an atheist as it does to be a Christian. There is faith either way. So if there's faith either way, then why not just start talking to God? Why not start journeying with him and speaking to him and seeing if he will speak to you? Because this is what the Bible says. God says to you, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So many people are wrestling with their minds to try and discover God. But God says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's a yearning. There's a leaning in that he responds to. So just start journeying with him. Just start talking to him. I remember when I became a Christian after being an atheist for a number of years, I wasn't totally sure. But I was, Jesus, I, I'm pretty sure that what I've just experienced is a real encounter with you. And I'm going to start following you. I'm going to start talking to you. I'm going to start living as a believer. And I've never looked back because he has answered my prayers. And I've seen him move and I've seen him touch people. And I've, I've got no question now that, that Jesus was raised from the dead, that he's the son of God. I've got no question in my heart. But at the beginning, it was very fragile and very tentative. And it took that pursuing of Jesus with all my heart to really find him in the way that I know him now. You know, if doubt can be a good thing if we bring it to God, because God can use that doubt to change us and to help us and to transform us and also to use it to help other people. Notice that Thomas ends up this story with my Lord and my God. One of the greatest revelations in the gospel of who Jesus was comes from the mouth of the man who once doubted the resurrection. Thomas's doubt turned to incredible praise because he engaged with that doubt in the presence of Jesus. Church tradition actually goes on to tell us that Thomas went as far as India preaching the gospel and planted many churches. And there's groups of churches now that can trace their roots back to Thomas and his work. He was ultimately martyred for his faith, just as many of the other disciples were, which to me is a great evidence that they weren't lying 
because you know you might lie for uh, some, you might lie for something that you've been told is true that you didn't know was true. But if you know it's not true, like Thomas and the earliest disciples knew, there's no way you'd lie to the point of death. That makes no sense whatsoever. So when we bring our doubts to God, what it does is it invites God into our doubt. And we begin a journey. And you might not get a bolt out of the blue like you're wanting to. You might not get an angel standing at the foot of the bed. But if you open your heart to the Holy Spirit to allow you to speak to him, you'll find that he does speak. Sometimes it'll be through a book. Sometimes it'll be through something that's mentioned in a preach. Sometimes it'll be through a worship song. Sometimes it'll just be a still, small voice. Sometimes you you just realise over time that things used to be major doubts have suddenly lost their power. Things that were five on your piece of paper are now down at a two or a one or even gone. I know for me, one of the major doubts I had before I became uh, an atheist, um, having grown up in the church, was if there's a God of love, how, what happens to all the people who've never heard of Jesus? How can God judge them? And I really wrestled with them. It was one of the reasons that I fell away from God in the first place. I just thought, it's just so unjust, it's so unfair. When I came back to Christ after this encounter with him, I was nervous of that question. I was afraid to even go there. Is it going to kind of send me off the rails again? But it wasn't many years in, maybe two or three years later, that and during a worship time, I just felt the Lord really speak to me. And he said, Simon, you know all these people that you're concerned about, all these people that you're worried about that haven't heard from, of, of me. He said, you don't even know their names, but I know them, every single one of them by name. And if you think I will not do everything, heaven and earth, to move heaven and earth, to spend eternity with them, then you don't know me. And it, was, it didn't give me all the answers that I needed, but it was a humbling moment to realise the scriptures were true, which I should have believed in the first place. This prophetic voice confirmed what the scriptures say and illuminated them that God does not delight in the death of the wicked. And he, has moved, he sent his son to die. And so part of my responsibility is not, God, what are you doing for those who don't know have never heard your voice and never heard the name of Jesus, but what am I doing? What am I doing? So when we bring our doubts to God, he will partner with us and will change us through our doubts if we'll bring them to him. And the third thing to do is to doubt your doubts. To doubt your doubts. What does that mean? It means to think critically about them. Clearly Thomas had thought critically about his doubts. He had a clear way that he was going to believe, but it was quite closed, wasn't it? You can hear it in the tone of his voice. It's cynical. It's, it's unbelieving. He didn't believe the testimony of his friends, even though he had 11 friends or more who were saying, we've seen the risen Lord Jesus. So he, he did think critically about his doubts, but I don't think he thought enough critically about them. And I, I would encourage us when we think critically about our doubts, we act like investigators. And we approach them, we give God the benefit of the doubt. Rather than holding God to ransom and say, why did you allow this or why did you do that? Why don't you approach that question? Just take that question. God, why did you allow this? Maybe think from a different angle of, well, is there a reason God might have allowed this? Is there a reason God might have allowed this to happen? You know, for years ago, I realized I had the question, why, um, why wouldn't God make himself clearer? You know, if he's, God's out there somewhere, why doesn't he make himself clearer? And I kind of held God to ransom with this, why God? You know, why wouldn't you make yourself clearer? It's not a very humble way of approaching God, is it? But I just began to reframe it and think, is there a reason why God might not make himself more obvious? What might be the reasons? 
And I began to think through that lens, it invited exploration. And actually, I can now, I won't go into it because I'm not specifically dialing into all these different questions, but I could give you four or five reasons now why God might not make him so obvious, make himself as obvious as we think he ought to, and why sometimes he does make himself obvious. There's there some reasons, but when I approach it aggressively and, and, and finger-pointing in a way, I find that the, the reasons clam up. But when I approach it like an investigator and start to ask questions of my own doubts and start to give God the benefit of the doubt and start to think, is there a reason why, is there a possible reason that I can think of why this may have happened? So some good questions to think critically about your doubts is what could be the reason? Or is there a different way of seeing it? Or I wonder who has thought about this before. I wonder if there's other people who've thought about this because I can guarantee you any doubt you've had, many people, probably, including me, have thought about that doubt before. The other question is what difference would it make if I had the answer? I've challenged people with that on Alpha. They've asked questions and I've ultimately given lots of different answers. In the end, I've asked them, what difference would it make if you had the answer? And sometimes they feel like it would make very little difference whatsoever. And they've been honest about that. Because they honestly, they're not rejecting Jesus because of the question, these questions. They're rejecting him because they don't want to change their lifestyle. What difference would it make if you had the answer? And how do other people with a different, uh, with a different belief answer this question? Because sometimes it's easy to look in at Christianity and say, well, you've got an answer to this question, this question, that question. But you look elsewhere and say, oh, hang on, their answers are even worse. <laughs> we take the question of suffering. Some people wrestle with the question of, you know, how could God allow suffering? But then you, you look at some of the other answers through other belief systems, the atheistic answer, which basically says, well, there is no such thing as suffering because it doesn't, there's no meaning, there's no point anyway. The, the Hindu answer, which talks about, you know, karma, you know, people who suffer deserve it anyway because they're going to be, you know, it's because of sins done in a previous life. I mean, there's just... There's, Suffering is a tough question for any belief system. I think the Christian answer, the Christian answer to suffering actually is the most compelling. Uh, it's not an easy question for us, uh, for people of, of uh, Christian belief, but it's certainly not an easy question for other people either. So start to think critically about your doubts. And then lastly, look for Christian, Christians who are thinkers to help you. The biggest mistake I made, which we don't see Thomas make, is pushing these doubts inside. For many years, I pushed doubts inside instead of talking about them. What Thomas does brilliantly here is talk to his community about those doubts. He's honest. He's open. He doesn't just keep quiet and just kind of go along with the crowd. He's like, I don't believe this. He's open. He's honest. He discusses it with them. Now, I think he makes a mistake because he doesn't listen to their voices, but at least he does talk to them. So talk to people about your doubts. Don't push them in to fester on the inside. Get them out. But the second mistake I made, apart from not talking to people, was to talk to some of the wrong people. There were some people in my life I did try and talk to, but they couldn't handle the doubt. They weren't deep thinkers. They hadn't wrestled with doubt themselves. And so they couldn't help me. They were the wrong people to talk to. So think and find people in your life who can talk about these things, who've got the maturity and the experience of wrestling and the honesty of wrestling with doubts themselves and ask them and put your questions to them. Go on an exploration with them like my daughter did with me. It's not wrong for people not to have thought their doubts and we don't, you know, judge them for it, but some people just haven't and that's fine. Find people who have the real thinkers who've really wrestled these things through. And often you'll, you'll know you found one because when you ask the question, instead of getting defensive or shutting it down, they'll say, that's a really good question. They might even say, I've wrestled with that myself. Find people who have thought about these things deeply 
and often they'll point you to books or podcasts. Do the work to do the reading. Sometimes I've talked with people about their doubts and I've suggested things and they never follow it through. They just let these doubts kind of fester on the inside. They never do the work to actually investigate these doubts. I'd encourage you, don't be like that. Be one who investigates, who thinks about their doubts and wrestles them through. I haven't got every one of my doubts answered, but I see what, I'm a lot further on than I was back in those early days because I've taken the time to think through these doubts. Some of the doubts that were a five are down now to a two or a one and have even gone away. So thinking about your doubts and wrestling out them in the context of community is so critical. That's why I don't believe you can do church on your own. Because we're a community together and when one is strong, they can lift up someone who's weak and then when I'm strong, I can lift up somebody else who's weak. We together work these things through in faith. So, I'd encourage you, when you're doubting, do a few things. Ah, and I just realised my head might have been behind my PowerPoint the whole time, but anyway, I haven't got time to re-record it, so apologies if it, does, if it is. Firstly, examine your doubts. Secondly, bring your doubt to God. Thirdly, doubt your doubts, critically examining your doubts. And lastly, look for Christian thinkers who can help you. I hope this has helped you, not only for your own life, but for others that you might be able to help as uh, we go on this journey together. Jesus is not afraid. God is not afraid of our doubts. How we handle them can be critical for the now Christian journey and more critical than ever in this season that we're a community that can help one another can talk about our doubts and can wrestle them through together thanks so much for listening